0: Welcome to the ECE Quality Ireland podcast. I'm Celine Govern, And I'm Paula
1: Walsh. And um, the topic of today's podcast is establishing a new early childhood education service in Ireland. Um, so we're going to chat about, you know, the pros and the cons, the pitfalls, what you need to be aware of and look out for. Um, and, Celine, we decided to do this podcast because you've opened up you know two services this year you have three services now so you've a lot of experience in this area Mm
0: -hmm. and as
1: well as that as we were saying earlier on you know we need more services to be opened in Ireland so there might be a lot of people out there who you know are currently educators and might be thinking about taking the plunge and opening up their their own setting Mm -hmm. you know we can have a chat about you know your experiences and just to give them a flavour of what it might be like and what they might need to consider if they are thinking about it
0: yeah absolutely so yeah just to explain my story i suppose i had an Eki only service for mm, 20 years or so um and that was fine and it and i was a secondary i am a secondary school teacher as well so i was able to juggle both quite well and then the funding streams changed and everything changed and higher cap was taken away. Um, and that's not something I'm going to labor on. That's just the reality of, of life in business is that things change. And it became obvious that in order for the business to survive and thrive, it had to do something different. Um, and, and, you know, I think when I opened 20 years ago, an Eki only service was, was probably in rural Ireland, all that parents wanted. Um, their needs were met. Not many um mums worked outside of the home, and those who did, you know, had the support of family and grandparents and all that kind of thing. But things have changed, and the reality is that the needs of my community and of my families changed. So I made the decision at that stage then with my first service to go full daycare and sorry, my phone to go full daycare and after school. Okay, so I did that in the building I had. It was um it, you know it wasn't a very difficult switch over you sent in a change of circumstances form had a fit for purpose inspection and off i went so that that was my first full daycare service was moving from an ECI only into um full day care and then everything changed again with core funding and and um how they were funding us so i decided at that stage um that i that i was willing to expand i was happy to expand, um, and it was obvious the way the funding was coming that they were encouraging, you know, expansion. And it's obvious in the country that there's a shortage of services. And it's p- particularly, um, I know there's a huge shortage of services in built up areas like Dublin, and we hear it all the time, you know, people can't get, people cannot get places um, in Dublin, but there's also a shortage of services in rural Ireland in certain pockets. And I think, you know, it's remiss of us to always speak about just that there's a shortage in Dublin. There are shortages in lots of places in rural Ireland, and they're hit with a double whammy that they don't have public transport. So if there isn't a service in your area, very often children are not going to Eki. They aren't or they're not going for two years. They might parents might only be able to manage one year, for example. So I mean I I speak like rural Ireland as if I'm from like the highlands of Donegal or somewhere I'm not I'm an hour outside um Dublin in County Meath but it's a completely different um different picture it is a different, different picture completely
1: different picture what, I, what I think is really relevant about your experience is that you know you have experience in the last year in 2023 opening up a service from scratch in uh-huh. the current um model landscape Mm -hmm. that we're in with core funding with all the most recent you know um things going on um Mm -hmm. and developments in 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 early early years in ireland right so i think for any educator who's working in a service at the moment who might be thinking about Mm -hmm. opening up their own service for whatever reason yeah. You have the most, like a really up to date, relevant experience and relevant information on what what that is like in reality. Yeah, so
0: yeah, yeah, I actually opened two this year. So I had a fit for purpose inspection in my second service in August and got that up and running for on August the twenty eighth, and then in my third service, um, I got the after school element of it opened for September the first, but I only had the fit for purpose for full day care on Monday gone. And I've just noticed there actually in my email that the, um, the report is in. And I know exactly what's in it because the inspector has been so good. She's been ringing me all week saying, I think I'm going to change this. And I think I'll add in this. She's been brilliant. So I know what's in the report and I just have to basically read through it quickly and email them back and say, yeah, I'm happy with that. And then they will release me the TUSLA number. So I've opened two services in the last three months. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, but it. <laughs> I say that like it just happened. Woo! I'm sure it didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge no. AR, they are. Yeah, service number two is 18 months getting yeah. to that stage, and service number three is um probably 10 months. Last last February, yeah. probably 10 months getting to this stage. So, f- each. It it, it is extremely difficult to give a timeline on these things because you, no matter how well you plan, and I'm a planner, um, and no matter how strategic you are, you will come across hurdles on that journey that you didn't anticipate. And um, they're hugely frustrating. And I had tears and screaming matches and whatnot as we go along that journey, but it's all part of the process. Um, but so yes, I have opened two. they're they're in two two villages in County Mead. They are almost identical, so they are both full daycare services. Both can take thirty three Ey children, both can take thirty full daycare um or part-time children, and both can take twenty four um after school children. So, in terms of numbers, they are identical. So identical in terms of the amount of staff that I need, but they are very different services um, in terms of the building structure and the outdoor space and all that kind of stuff. They're, they're very different. One I, um, one is in the community hall that I am renting. And the other one is in a building that was derelict that I have totally renovated. So they are two completely different mm. um, schools. Okay, well, let's have a look, first of all, at say, you know, I'm just trying to think
1: of how to make this a bit sort of like a practical, simplified version because there's loads of different things that could happen or different angles that you could take. So let's say I'm an educator working in a setting and I'm thinking I might like to look into opening my own setting. So let's say I would imagine at Mm -hmm. this point I would want to be planning for September 2025 or or not.
0: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, you depending. It just depends, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be getting your hopes up for September twenty four, but a miracle could happen, right? Yeah. But to avoid
1: maybe to avoid disappointing. yourself, you know, a, a yeah. decent window. So a let's say window. I, let's say I'm thinking about September twenty twenty five, just for argument's sake. So, what would be the first thing? Yeah, you know, and obviously,
0: you know, obviously,
1: we're gonna. There's a transition anyway between putting having your educator hat on and putting on your business person hat. So, yeah. you know, which is going to be a transition and probably a learning experience as yeah. you go, like for a lot yeah. of it. But what's the very, very first thing that somebody should think about if?
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that you've said that about your educator hat and and, and your provider hat. And I think that's where you start. I think you start with a recognition that if you go on this journey You are coming out of the classroom, really, and you're leaving the role of an educator behind you. And you are becoming not only a provider, but a provider is a business person. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really key. And if you are unwilling to make that um, transition, you, you need to have a good talk with yourself because you've got to think strategically and you've got to be a business person because you now, if you're going to do this you have a responsibility as a business owner and you have a responsibility to your staff to the government to the people who fund you to revenue and you know to 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 community. you know yeah exactly to run a business that is honest and that is suitable and that is viable so it's very, very difficult to still be 100% educator. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be a 100% educator and 100% provider. So that's the first thing is that you really need to have a, a conversation with people who support you around you to bounce it all off, to make sure that um, you are willing to be available 24 hours a day, that you understand the responsibilities of being a provider forward slash business owner, that you can no longer leave the classroom at three o'clock in the day or six o'clock in the day and not check your emails or not pick up your phone or not answer that call. Do you know what I mean? So it's a very, very, very different role. So once you've made that decision in your head that you are willing to take that on, then for me, and look, it is going to be different for other people. For me, the next stage was, well, you have to become very, very strategic, you know? And you said this to me earlier on, Paula, there's no point in saying, well, I'm going to open a service and I'm going to open it here because that's where I want to open it. But there's one down the road and you know that they're not operating at capacity. Mm-hmm. That's a bad business decision.
1: Straight if, away, you're, you're on, you're, 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 you're not, you know. Exactly. You're straight away, you're losing. yourself up for, for issues there, aren't yeah. you, straight away?
0: So, you know, when I decided to open two new schools I, I you know, it wasn't that I wanted to open them in my garden or beside me or in my own village. I knew I needed to open them in locations where they would be needed. So I looked around me within a 20k radius and I came up with a model. <laughs> I can, you know, and this is in my head, but it works, right? So I'm in rural Ireland, right? So for me, what I looked for was where are the villages around me? A town didn't matter because for me, all of the towns around us have any amount of services. I, my first service is in a village and that's what I know and understand and that's what works for me. So I looked at the villages around me and I established which villages have no services of any description and of those villages, which of them have a hundred or more children in the local primary school. Mm -hmm. That was my business model. That was my strategy. Because it makes Makes sense. Because once you have a school, a primary school with over a hundred children in it, then you know you have a cohort of children who need care. Mm-hmm. Because you might as well say that their junior and senior infants class last year would have been your Ecki classes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know? So that was my that was my strategy. So I And you that, also and potentially
1: have after school, school age childcare there.
0: Totally. Then you've got eight year, you want to go down got, that road. You've 100 year, you, Sorry, you've got a hundred children in a local primary school. And if 20% of them use you for after school, you've got 20 clients
1: mm.
0: immediately, you know? So that was my business model. So how do you do that? Really easily, you know? You say to yourself, okay, there's a village. Is there a service there? Not sure. You go onto the Toosler, um website. And all of the, the registrations are there by county. So I very quickly established that the two villages in my mind, that didn't have services, I was right. They didn't have services. Then I said, right, how many kids are in those schools? So I just went on to schooldays.ie, googled the name of the school, and the the say, enrollment you know, or, or whatever, yeah. yeah. ED, you know, so it was really obvious, really fast, that I had identified two villages that met my criteria. They didn't it's have. It, it's your, it's your, your gap in the market. It's like when you're doing research and you've identified the gap, I identified the gap, that was probably all done within a couple of days. Do you know? So then you're into the big question is, will I get a property? And I remember in the first village, we went to daft.ie. And in the first village, there was a derelict house on the main street for sale. And I went to view it and sure it was falling. It was falling down. Not that you couldn't have done something with it, but the the investment would have been Mm -hmm. way too much. And you have to be realistic in, in the early years sector. We're not making that much money that you can afford a huge investment. We're just not, you know, and that wouldn't have been strategic for me to go down that route. I wasn't willing to end up in a huge amount of debt. So. I suppose I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit of a cute whore, as they'd say, and I've got no hesitation reaching out to people. So I would kind of sit down and go, who do I know that has a connection in that village? Who do I know who might know somebody? You know, the way, especially in rural Ireland, you'd know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. So I just started reaching out to people, basically. And funnily enough, um, it was a local politician who came back to me in the, in, in the first village and said to me, I hear you're... Um, asking around I obviously asked around an awful lot <laughs> and she said to me try the community hall right and I said the community hall falling down and she said no she said it was falling down she said they've gotten a whole load of money to spend on it and they're making a great job of it so off I went I said who, she told me who to contact so I did and he was very good and he met me I'd say that week and he was immediately supportive,
1: immediately
0: supportive. And I I can't tell you why he was. I suspect this politician had also maybe reached out to him. And sometimes these things happen and it's all positive. Mm-hmm. But I, I immediately built, built up a good relationship with him.
1: Or it and could he, be that they knew as well, in agreement with you, that there was a need for this. That there was
0: a huge need for this. And it became apparent over time and as we spoke that he knew, um, this guy's very involved in the GAA, so he would know a lot of the families. And he, when I spoke to him, he went to GAA training, he bounced around the idea with some parents. They were immediately very supportive and they started explaining to him that they had to travel 15K to get childcare in the opposite direction sometimes to their work, that their children were not always accessing two years of EKI. some children were going into the primary school with no EKI. Um, so and you knew very quickly
1: that there was you know a need for this here
0: i knew very quickly that there was a need there and immediately then even though they were renovating this hall i needed planning permission to change the use, and that was the first thing that i did that was the first thing but just before you
1: go into that I'm just aware that not everybody would have great contacts in their local area or in the local j a or you know that is that can happen a lot of the time in in rural Ireland but just say there would be other ways that you could reach out in your local area like even just going to the principal of the local primary school because they're sure to know of people's difficulties with after-school care or where they're coming from in terms of their preschool 100 yeah. percent but just or say, if there's a local, you know, um, parent and toddler group or if you're even going to the local, um, you know, auction area, you know, that would have, you know, places to rent or whatever.
0: Absolutely. And I think you have to be a bit brazen. I mean, I would be brazen enough now that I'd stroll into the local village and into the shop and introduce myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would have no hesitation. if. You have to be quite um, resilient. And if you set your mind on a certain area, yes, reach out to the school, reach out to anywhere where you know parents are, reach out to the auctioneers who deal in that area and reach out to the politicians and the councillors. Because they'll be hearing directly from their constituents that the needs in terms
1: of these things.
0: And most importantly, they want votes Mm. and you get votes from parents exactly so let's say you have your town you have your building now you found the building what was the next thing well so my first thing was planning permission and this was a bit tricky because that building had a preservation order on it it was built in the 1912 or something um so get yourself an architect that you can deal with (laughs) find yourself an architect who you can talk to who will answer the phone to you and who doesn't think you're a fool um there's only one architect I'll deal with because I like him you know and that's really important you're spending money on this and I think I've given my architect each time seven thousand so what did you need the planning permission for was that or was that yes you will not get registered with TUSLA unless you've got planning permission and you won't be allowed to operate by the county council unless you've got full planning permission. So and the planning permission cannot... is for what, though? Yeah, well, you cannot operate an early year service. So that's ECI, part-time or full day care without planning permission. Now, you can operate an after-school service, an SAC, with no planning. Mm-hmm. So when you register for an SAC service, you are not asked to produce planning. Yeah. so that's how a lot of people might start as an inn. get yourself a local community hall and start with after school yeah get yourself up and running then you and get a bit of cash flow going you know yeah. as well yeah. that's a cute way to do it hmm. that's, that's a good thing yeah yeah that's a cute way to do it yeah get yourself up and running and then what happens is the community realize how valuable you are And you've got a much better chance of getting... Now, I have to say, planning are great. Planning, know that we need services. And they, you know, they're not interested in not giving you planning. They do want to give you planning. Mm -hmm. Unless it's just you're looking for planning, I don't know, on the top of a building or something. Do you know what I mean? They do want to give you planning and they will work with you. And how long did you find it took for the planning part? Well, planning is, is, is from you put, right. So you get your architect and depending on how good your architect is, he'll possibly lodge planning for you within three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. So he has to draw up the plans. You know, he has to put the newspaper notice in, he has to put the notice up on the gate, all that kind of thing. He has to look if there was ever planning before all that kind of stuff. That takes him three, to, well, it took my guy three to four weeks. Right. He puts in planning and there's an eight week period that they have to respond in Now they won't respond to you in a week (laughs) they will take the eight weeks right now it's highly unlikely they're going to come back in eight weeks and say there you go yeah well done right they will almost always come back looking for further information after the eight weeks and that's going to delay you by another four weeks Mm. maybe five because they come back looking for further information i'm trying to think on that in the community hall they queried my parking and i'm trying to think there was something else or they wanted a bike rack or something stupid put in or they might be looking for things like disability parking spaces different things like that they look for all of that kind of stuff yeah so Mm -hmm. it took us a week let's say to rejig the plans and answer their questions put that back in that brought us to nine weeks and then another four weeks for the answer so what's that? Um, 9, 10, 11, 13 weeks. And that's providing nobody
1: lodges. Um, um, What's the word? Objection. An objection. Yeah. So that's probably why your first piece of finding the right village that needs this is really yeah. important because yeah. the greater the need in the village, the less likely you are of having an objection to your yeah.
0: Now, I had an objection with the second one, which I'll tell you about in a few minutes. But if the objection is nonsense and is isn't warranted, the planner won't pay any attention to it. So it actually didn't delay me. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Now, I do know somebody in Dublin who had 48 objections and it ended up on an unbroad planola for two years. That's a whole different beast. Presumably that's not the norm. No, it was in a house situation and people people got together and now they all use the service. Yeah, that's gas. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But
0: you know what I mean? It was driven by a particular person. There was an agenda there, but it did mean two years going through on-board Planola, you know? And she eventually got it. It's like people just do these things because they've nothing else to do. But, you know, th- that wasn't my situation. So let's say that... So I was 13, maybe 14 weeks in total to plan. Mm. Then you get your planning, right? And if you're building, you can't technically start... For another four weeks, right, right. Um, it's like a cooling off period, kind of, is it? It's a cooling off period, but for me, let's say in the community hall, let's say somebody's going to the community hall. In the community hall, I got my planning, and only then can you apply for your fire search. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you apply for your fire search and your disability search together, kind of more or less. And does somebody come out then to inspect? For those or what way does that work? No, well, no, I mean, they can, but but in my experience, they don't. But they can if they want to, it's all done off the plans that the architect draws. So I got my fire cert, which makes it sound amazing, doesn't it? She got her fire cert, right? <laughs> I thought, I got my fire cert, right? I thought, I'm ready for Tusla now. I've got planning, yeah. got a fire cert, I've got a disability cert. So I Headed off and did my application for TUSLA, which is no easy job, right? Quite a lot involved in that, all right. Huge amount involved in that, right? And got it all in, and they came back to me the next day and said, we need your certificate of completion. I said, my what? All right. They said, no, they said, you can't register with TUSLA until you have a certificate of completion. I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. So the nice person in TUSLA had to explain to me that a certificate of completion is a relatively new thing, that is released from the planning department of the county council and it basically states that everything in your planning in your fire cert and in your disability search was done okay. and the architect has to sign it off and why did that not come does it so that
1: doesn't come automatically you have to apply for it after yes. so you get the planning permission you get the fire search you get the disability cert, and then it's not like, okay, there. there's a system that those
0: boxes are ticked so you're
1: considered a completion rise of the post.
0: No, because you see, you could, in fairness, right? I eventually got my plan. And in my planning, it stated that I had to have X amount of car parking spaces, that one of them had to be um for disability parking, and um, that I had to have a bike rack. You know, in my fire search, it said that I had to um <clears throat> block up a window and that I had to put in these 15 foot by folding doors. Um, And the disability search actually was fine because the building had been newly renovated. But they needed to see that I had done those things. So someone comes out and has a look and then you can get your. No, the the architect comes out. Oh, okay. And and to be fair to them, the architect won't just sign it off because, you know, if he signs it off, I say to him off, for heaven's sake, just sign that I did it. He won't because as soon as he does it, somebody will come out, you know what I mean, and check. So... That caused me a huge amount of. The particular fire doors they wanted were 15 foot bifolding doors and could only be gotten in Germany. The guys who did the fire doors for the National Children's Hospital ended up having to do these for me. They couldn't be gotten in Ireland and they were thirteen thousand. So that delayed me by months and months and months and months. Um, And and that if you were renovating something yourself from scratch, you would be
1: that all that stuff would be planned in but you went into a building that had been previously
0: used for something else yes yeah and the the problem happened because the fire officer said if this was just going to be used for normal community use I wouldn't need this door but because you're dealing with children as young as two I need this door it was the age group right okay yeah yeah so obviously then that the the community hall who were very very good to me said well hmm, we're not meeting the cost of this because first of all we don't have it but also I don't need it we don't need it yeah so that that was my cost so eventually i got the certificate of completion that was a day and then you have to apply to toothless so it's a lot of ticking box exercises you're waiting on a lot of people to do their work and and in, in between all this, you're project managing all of this. Hmm. So you as the business person are ringing the architect to say, did you speak to the fire officer? Have you been on to the planner? What did they say? Is there anything I can do to speed this up? Will I make a phone call? And you're kind of tiptoeing around a little bit. Do you know what I mean? And there's you a lot- You of... can't be afraid to. You, you have can't... to put yourself out there, don't you? That, you, know... you have to be quite brazen. and uh, But also- You know, all of these people are men. Okay. And providers are generally women, right? So I did say to my husband on numerous occasions, like, God almighty, I seem to spend more time on the phone being really nice to all these men, (laughs) you know, because I really need you to sign that piece of paper. Or I really need you to make that phone call, you know? And, And it's not enough that I'm paying all of these people to do their jobs.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's something that, you know, for anyone who's ever built a house or put an extension onto your house or had to engage with a solicitor or any of these people who have loads of clients and everybody wants their thing done now. Yeah, yeah. You have to be able to, and I think regardless of whether they're men or women or who, you have to be able to keep putting your need into their mind. Exactly. Without being,
0: if you become, there's a fine line been annoying (laughs) and and and, And they'll stop answering the phone yeah yeah (laughs) they just stop answering the phone yeah so I would go kind of down the route of um are we still waiting for the planner to sign off on that which do do you need me to make the phone call yeah Yeah. is there anything I can do so I had a I had a way kind of of jogging them along without becoming Put your,
1: maybe block your number on your phone so they don't always know it's you
0: <laughs> as well. Yeah. yeah, you really do need to. Um, I do remember, really? one, yeah, I remember <laughs> at one stage somebody saying to me, You are like a dog with a bone, you know, you just keep going. So, look at that. So, that was that. So, then you apply when you have all that done, then you apply to Tusla. Mm-hmm. And Tusla say you need to give them three months, and you do need to give them three months, they're very busy people, but to be fair to them. I'm going to give them huge dues here. I applied in the first week of November for my Fit for Purpose, for my newest, my third service. And I was very cheeky. And it says on it, when would you like to open? And I said, December the 1st. Hmm. Like, less than four weeks. And I thought, they're going to send this back to me and say, are you having a laugh? And to be fair to them, they came back to me in a week and they said, your paperwork isn't all in order. Your inspector will be in touch with you for your Fit for Purpose. And that happened on the 20th. And the report has just hit my account. So I will be, to be fair to them, they understood that I didn't get open on the 1st of September for various reasons. And they are really working hard to work with me to get me open. And I couldn't think.
1: Would you say that, you know, the more prepared you can be in understanding exactly what Tucson need, because if you can have everything ready, then they just have to look what they need. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, grand. Whereas... If you don't, if you're not really clear on what they're looking for, then there's to and fro and it takes ages. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, when you go to make your tooth application, read, they give you a very, very, very comprehensive list. Yeah. Go through it with a fine tooth comb. If they need, absolutely. If they need two references for the person in charge and the deputy, you give it to them. They also will need your company registration. We all need a CRO, sir. They, need your, they don't need your CRO number. They need the actual certificate. If you have a board, a, you know, if you're renting like I am in a community hall, I didn't realize it the first time around and they came back to me with this, I had to give them a written affidavit that the people on the board of the community hall would not have access to the building right. during the day. And if they were going to have access, they all needed guard the vetting. Now, my guy said, we won't be anywhere near your building when there's kids in it. So, uh, but I needed to give them that written affidavit. So, go through the list that TUSLA have with a fine tooth comb. But also, do it's a bit like putting your car in for the NCT. Chances are they will send it back to you and ask you to make a change. But to be fair to them again, If they're sending back, I remember my um, statement of purpose and function was sent back. No, it wasn't. It was my complaints policy was sent back. And they wanted me to put the phrase into it. A parent can make a complaint without fear or favor. Yeah, that's it. They told me it exactly. I went to my complaints policy and I put it on the very top line and I sent it back to them. Done. So to be fair to them, if they want you to make changes, They don't leave you guessing what the changes are. Tuscal are very good. They will tell you exactly what to put into it, right? So because I suppose I had fallen down a few times in my one in the summer, they had to come back to me a few times. By the time I was doing my one at the beginning of November, I knew exactly what the expectation was. Most people will be like me in the summer and they will come back to you. Don't be upset about it. They will ask you to make changes. Um, once by the time all this time is important, because presumably oh, you
1: know, would I be right in saying that this is stuff that you could be starting to pull together when you're waiting on your fire search, your disability search, or you know, oh. your permission? Start pulling these policies and
0: stuff together that you know they're going to need. Uh,
1: absolutely,
0: start doing it. Sit down and go through them one by one by one. And make a little file on your computer and have it all in there and have it all ready to go. 100% and if you're looking for policies anywhere early childhood Ireland are very good if you mm. google <clears throat> complaints policy early childhood Ireland yeah. I have to say their templates are amazing if you're unsure and then obviously adapt it to your setting
1: yeah and I know Barnardo's along with TUSLA as well have loads of great policies sample policies yeah. Sample yeah. and QRF even the
0: QRF the QRF yeah it's, it's a
1: real for anyone who doesn't know what the QRF is <laughs> the document that was put together with by, by bernardos with tusla and um the quality it, regulatory it, framework yeah. yeah and it basically is like puts the child care act and the regulations in really easy to understand terms 100% of what you need to do so yeah. and the other thing, thing that is be
0: your your friends your best friend. <laughs> it really, it really will be and i know there's a reluctance for people to use it but i have to say i have found the qrf extremely helpful And I wouldn't have gotten two services up and off the ground if I had been remiss and had ignored it. So you get all of those in and you're sending that to the registrations department of TUSLA, not to your inspector. So that's going to, you know, people working in an office. And when they are happy with everything that you have sent them, then you will get an email from them to say, we're happy with all of this now. We are passing this now on to your inspector who will arrange your fit for purpose inspection with you. So that happens. And at some point in the next week or so, you'll get a phone call from your inspector to say, I'm ready. Um, and you arrange a time. And a fit for purpose inspection basically means that the service has to be 100 percent ready to go. It has to have absolutely everything except the children. So it has to be ready to open tomorrow. literally. Ready to open. Your insurance has to be on the wall. They, your fire extinguishers have to be indented. The staff file and everybody's training has to be all perfect. Corners have to be on sharp edges.
1: So that's interesting because then you do need to consider the timing in terms of getting your TUSLA registration number. Yeah. Then you're going to need to start looking at... So at
0: this stage, you don't have your TUSLA registration number. You, I okay. still don't... Yeah, you don't get that until after you're fit for purpose.
1: Okay, so you have to recruit people and everything before that happens. Basically,
0: yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's a bit complex. It's a little bit complex so you have got to be very very confident i went into both of my fit for purpose inspections knowing that they would be fine so you'd probably want to if you
1: were opening in september next year say right um
0: if you were
1: opening in a september you'd want to have everything you know you've picked your town you've got your building you've got your planning permission you've got your fire disability search completion and you'd want to be ready to send your application into TUSLA probably before the summer. Oh yes. yeah, but June, by the 1st of June. September. So everything, yeah. right, and all your policies, procedures, everything yeah. TUSLA needs, ready, yeah. submit them into TUSLA by mm-hmm. the 1st of June. Yeah. Then spend the next couple of months Mm-hmm. Buying your buy buying, buying your, your resources, your materials, getting your outdoor area ready, getting all the the mm-hmm. signs up, the put the the, the certs up, and staffing,
0: staff. staffing, recruiting your well, staff. If you, your your staff if you don't have your staff, exactly, if you don't have your staff hired by July, you won't have your garden vetting
1: Yeah, so that's really important, I think, isn't it? In terms of timeline, everything yeah. we discussed right up to sending in your two application by the first of June. You know, yeah. to open in September. Then yeah. spending your summer, getting your staffing, getting your guard event and getting your materials, getting your resources, getting yeah. your environment ready. So yeah.
0: basically, when she comes out to do the fit-for-purpose inspection, you have to be ready to go. Hmm. You can't say to her, if she says, where's your staff file, you can't say to her, well, I haven't hired staff. She'd say, well, then you're not ready for your fit-for-purpose, Celine. I shouldn't be here.
1: Yeah, so you nearly need to be ready to open tomorrow. kind exactly. of. Exactly, which,
0: which, which is a bit difficult because I hired staff um to start on the first of september (coughs) sorry and then for various reasons only got the after school end of it open in my third service but i had hired these staff with the agreement of 40 hours a week yeah so i'm having to pay them
1: we're running out of time we've about a minute left. so just to something we didn't really get to touch on though that is also worth just sticking in here at the end is that You're going to need to have some kind of contingency
0: fund at this point. A hundred percent. I would recommend 20,000. Yeah, I would recommend 20,000. Don't even think about it if you don't have access to 20,000, because you will need it. I mean, architects alone cost me 7,000. And you also
1: need to have the first couple of months wages. You know, remember, you're going to to be putting in your your hive, your ecchi, Mm-hmm. forms and it takes a while for that money to kick in yes. so you need to be able to pay your bills pay your wages for the first couple of months till that starts yeah yeah absolutely right we're going to run out of time but I think for if I was somebody thinking about, about opening a set I think that would be useful you know very useful but um so thanks for that Celine but um there's a lot to consider but but, lot, I, but, I, but if
0: you want to do it I would encourage it yeah well we need more settings. absolutely yeah yeah, so, yeah.
1: This has been the ECE Quality Ireland podcast. Um, if you like what you heard, share share around with your friends and if, you know the podcast is available anywhere you can get your podcasts, ACAST, Spotify, everywhere else. So thanks for listening.